That truth is what binds us together as a church family, and it's what compels us to pursue our God through song, through the hearing of his word, through prayer. And as a church family, we believe, we recognize that Jesus is alive, that he loves us, and that he holds us fast. My name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. Happy New Year to you. Oh, thank you. That's very thoughtful of you to say. Uh, Many of us have made resolutions or intentions this year, and for those of you who uh, maybe checking out church was on your list of resolutions, congratulations, you did it. Uh, uh, I know it's weird, and it doesn't get less weird the longer you're here, but it's really good, it's really cool, and we uh, we are a people that have nothing in common except we're bound together by God. And so I'm so glad that you're here. For others of us, we maybe have made resolutions that instead of uh, just kind of willy-nilly participating in church services, we've, we've said we're going to be intentional, we're going to be consistent, and so uh, maybe even some of you are like, we're going to make it every Sunday. Congratulations. You're batting a 1,000. You're one fifty-twoths of the way there. For others of us, maybe it's uh, we've made resolution or we've resolved to, uh, instead of simply uh, participating or attending on any given Sunday, we want to be involved in community uh, through community groups or Bible studies, classes, things like that, or serving, volunteering, uh, maybe through one of the ministries here at Desert Springs or in our community. Regardless of what your next step is, we as a church family are committed to helping you take your next step as a follower of Jesus. So whether you're just starting out, maybe you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, uh, or you've been following Jesus for a long time, we want to help you take your next step. And in order to do that a little smoother, uh, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card. It says connect on it. It looks like this. It also says next steps. Uh, I forgot what it looked like. Do you have one that you could show me? Like literally, in the back of the seat in front of you, there's a card that looks just like this, but I forgot what it looked like, so maybe you could reach down, grab one, and then show it to me. Let me see. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks, oh, that, it looks just like that one, too. You got it right over there. Yes. Oh, right back there, sir. Yes, of course. So uh, thank you. So you guys have the same card I do. That's excellent. So on this side, uh, you'll find a website that has more information on Next Steps. But also, you'll see here that you can fill this out uh, any Sunday. This Sunday would be a great Sunday to do so. But any Sunday that you guys uh, want to uh, connect with us on taking your next step, you can fill this out. You can drop it. There's metal boxes next to each of the doors as you uh, leave this morning. You can drop it in there. We will reach out to you through email or phone uh, or carrier pigeon, whichever your preferred method is. You can also take these to Direct and Connect any Sunday. They would love the opportunity to help you take your next step as you follow after Jesus. As a church family, it would be honored. Be happy. We think that if we could get the thing or do the thing, or become that way, then we'd finally be happy. And let me ask you this question. Are you happy yet? With all the stuff, with all the status, with all that's going on, have you reached the place where you would say, I am totally, utterly, inexhaustibly This desire, this desire for happiness, well, it, well it's an age-old longing, isn't it? I mean, the, the founding documents of this nation have enshrined it. You've heard the words that we are free. We are to preserve. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice it doesn't say life, liberty, and happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. Oh, that's interesting. They might be onto something. But uh, though that, that's a few hundred years old, you go back even to uh, the ancient writings, and you will find that central to every society and every person is this desire to be happy. Are you happy yet? Happiness is something that we have, as a people, pursued. For some of us, we have pursued it at all costs. For some of us, we're here today. We never imagined that we would step foot in a church before, but we think maybe let's give this Jesus thing a try. Maybe then I'll finally be happy. For others, we perhaps have even just resigned ourselves to a life of boredom, apathy, feeling like happiness is not something we can even attain. But we are not the only ones. Today we're going to study an ancient uh, book of wisdom called the Psalms. There's, uh, the Psalms is a collection of ancient songs, or, and there's songs and poetry and wise sayings all wrapped into one. We're going to be in Psalm 1. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. And in this first Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, which is an ancient uh, document containing wisdom, one of the things that we're going to find is that there are false sources of happiness, and that there's an outcome to pursuing those false sources of happiness. But there is, thank God, a true abiding source of happiness. I'm going to ask you, actually, as I read the text, I'm going to ask you, see if you can pick out the false sources of happiness, the outcome of pursuing those false sources, and then finally, the true source. You guys ready? Okay, my New Year's resolution is that everyone with, ver- with viv and vigor would respond to me because it really inflates my ego and just makes me feel good all around. Are you guys ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, box checked. New Year's resolution done. Gotcha. This is Psalm 1. How happy. TV time out. Now, uh, what was the word I just used? Happy. Did I, did I say happy? Are you sure that's what I said? Now, some of you may have a different translation. And, and, and this word happiness, it, it, it doesn't sound like a Bible word for many of us. It doesn't sound so spiritual. It kind of sounds flip. It's interesting that this translation translates it happy. Uh, there are other translations, and this is kind of uh, weird for many of us. Have you ever heard the word blessed? Remember my resolution? You guys ever heard the word blessed? Yeah, okay. So the word... We, we often hear the word, oh, I'm so blessed, or, or they're so blessed, or you're blessed, and we wonder, what, what does that even mean? This word, happy, is, can also be translated as blessed. There you go. That's right. See? My resolution is coming true. How happy, or blessed, how happy is the one who does not walk, okay, hold on. We thought this was going to be an eight-minute sermon. We thought we want to know how to be happy because we ain't happy yet. And the pastor was just like, you, you want to know how to be happy? And then the pastor read, how happy is the one? And what are we all expecting? The thing to do or to obtain in order to be what? Happy. But notice what it says. It says, not 
which means this is going to be a longer sermon than we had initially anticipated. How happy is the one who does not, okay, here we go, walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Do you know how to be happy now? Let me ask you a question. Are you happy yet? All right, let's see if we can figure this out together, because I'm not happy either. One of the things that you notice immediately in this text is that the way that it's constructed, listen, listen real carefully. Now, remember we said that the Psalms are poetry or songs? I want you to listen to the poetic way that the Psalm opens. Here we go. How happy, and that's the question we're looking for, is when are we going to be happy? How happy is the one who does not, now I want you to look at three things. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers? Did you guys see that? You've got three activities. Walk, sit, or walk, stand, sit, okay? Now, uh, I have never met anyone who's come to me and said, Pastor, my life is a mess. I have been sitting in the company of mockers. Can you help me, Pastor? I've never had anyone say, Pastor, my life is a mess. I have been walking in the advice of the wicked. Can you help me? No, we don't talk like that, do we? Do you talk like that? Let me, it's weird if you talk like that, let me just tell you. These are not common ways to say things, but I want you to see something that the poet is doing here. Did you catch the progression? What was the first action? Walk. And then the second one was, and then the third was, now. One of the things that the author is getting at is this. That if you are walking in a certain way, that means you're living in a certain way or you're acting in a certain way. Walking is action, isn't it? He says, so if you're walking in this way, in this way of the wicked, your actions are wicked actions. Your actions are ungodly actions. If you choose to set your actions, your, your life's trajectory towards this way, you will end your life in chaff or dust. You guys remember Kansas? Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind, right? You just, nothing. The second progression is what? We had walk, then we had, what do you do when you stop walking? Stand. Now, this is kind of interesting because it says, stand in the pathway with sinners. Now, we, do, we, we, we might catch a glimpse of what the author is talking about if we think about the mailbox. Uh, I know you're all Phoenicians, or most of you are Phoenicians, so you absolutely do not know your neighbors. Let's imagine that you did. And you are walking out to get the mail, and, and, and lo and behold, who else is out there? Another human who has a dwelling in your vicinity. And by happenstance, you happen to be getting your post at the same time. And you're walking out to the mailbox, and then you're like, please don't talk to me, please don't talk to me, please don't talk to me, please don't. And they're like, hi, neighbor. And you're like, yeah. 
They know I go to church, so I should probably say something. And you stop and you stand and you do what? Talk. Who do you hold counsel with? Who do you communicate? Who are you in relationship with? You see, we stand with people. We're in a community. We're identified with the people that we stand with, that we talk with along the way. But it goes even deeper because what's the third and final course in the progression? You got walk, you got stand, and then what do you got? I want you to think about your kitchen table or if you have a countertop in the kitchen. I want you to think about your workplace. When you are sitting with someone, you are communing in perhaps one of the deepest possible ways with them. And so whether your actions are uh, going away from God or, or your community is going away from God or you even identify yourself as people who mock God, no matter what, those ways will lead not to happiness but to ruin, the text says. Now, this is all advice our grandmama gave us, right? So let's dig a little bit deeper because most of us don't talk in these terms and most of us even right now are thinking like, well, I don't do any of those things. Yes, you do. And so do I. I've seen y'all's Facebook, I know. You see, we may not talk in terms of holding counsel with the wicked or walking in the pathways of sinners, but we have much more insidious and subtle ways that this stuff creeps into our heart. When we are pursuing happiness in stuff, status, and sex. Oh, look around you. You know that this is the proclamation that our community and our culture is proclaiming. If you're not happy, are you happy yet? You say, no, I'm not happy yet. Here's the answer. Stuff, status, or sex. Now, you already know this. Back before the internet made shopping for groceries a a much more easy thing to do, you used to have to get in a vehicle and go to what was called a store, grocery store, and they would give you these, these iron prisons that you could put children or items in and push them around on wheels. They're little death traps for kids. And you'd be in the grocery store, and you'd go up and down the aisles. Again, this is before Amazon Prime and things like that. And you would, you would literally have to like look for a thing and then take the thing off the shelf and put it in the metal prison that you have that you're pushing around. I know, it's mind-blowing. It's totally, it's a, it's a weird experience. So if you were there, now maybe some of you have done this, grocery shops. And before the self-checkout, which is kind of like, wait, why am I doing this? I don't work here. But anyways, before the self-checkout, you would go up to a human, and before you got to the human that was going to ring up all your goods and items, you would walk down the hall of theology. <laughs> On your right side, you got what? You got a trident. You got, your, uh, you got your battery packs. What else you got on the right side? You got maybe some, uh, some little toys that your kids are going to beg you and you're probably going to buy just to get them to be quiet, right? You got all that over here. But what do you have over here? You have the false gospels of this culture. They all know. All those magazines know the answer to the question, are you happy yet? They know you ain't happy. And you know what they're telling you? If you could just get this stuff or if you could just attain this status, or if you could just have sex in this way or this frequently or whatever, right? Then you'll finally be what? <laughs> it's the message of our, or for once, sex. 
Now with sex, I want to be careful because for some of us, it's not the physical act. It's just we want a lover. We want a partner. Or maybe even for some of us, it's we would like a different partner where we at least want them to radically change into who we imagine them to be, not who they actually are. How many of our resolutions, how many of our desires for this year revolve around the accumulation of more stuff, the gaining of more status, or a lover being a way that we want them to be? Or maybe even just making our bodies in the way that they want it to be so that we can finally be appealing to them, so we can finally be somebody. You happy yet? And so we have these, these ways. Now, by the way, all of those things, those are the, the, the stuff, status, sex, those are all God-created things. And the pursuit of them in righteousness is a good thing. But if you think that the attaining of those things is going to lead you to ultimate, eternal happiness, you're kidding yourself. Like, you know this, right? You guys remember your first, like, uh, what's that thing called? Job? You remember your first job? Remember my resolution? Yeah. You guys remember your first job? Yeah. Okay, first job. I remember my first job. I got my paycheck. It was enormous. It was like $93.72. And I remember getting that paycheck. And I remember thinking, like, what's the taxes? This isn't fun. Anyways, I still got this much cash left. And you know what I remember thinking? This is so much money. I'm rich. And you know what happened like a couple weeks later? All that money, somebody took it. But then I got my next paycheck and it was bigger, $97.28. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is so much money. And you know what happened right after that? You know what I say? Somebody took it. That's right. And people keep taking it. It's ridiculous. I keep giving it to them though. You know what I thought to myself the next week? If I could just get a little bit more, then I would finally be happy. Have you ever felt that way before? And maybe it's not cash money millionaires. Maybe it's something else. Maybe for, for you, it's if I could just get a lover, then I'll finally be happy. And then you found one. And then you realize that they are imperfect. They are not who you imagine them to be. Moreover, they cannot bear the weight of your expectation as a source of eternal abiding joy. So you're mad at them. By the way, the sound you hear right now is the nudge. That's, I don't know if you guys heard that. That's a nudge. If we look to these things to bring us true, abiding, eternal happiness. Our souls will be like chaff, dust in the wind, dried up, nothingness. What are you hoping to attain? In your dreams, in your planning, in your desires, in your praying, what do you hope to attain? And is the motive for desiring that thing a belief, spoken or unspoken, that you will finally, if you can get it, 
you will finally be happy. Friends, I'm here to tell you that while it may be a good thing to seek, and I'm not saying you shouldn't seek it, if you expect that status or that lover or that stuff to bring you true and abiding happiness, you are like a tree planted where there is no water. You are like a tree who has sent roots to dry riverbed. There will not be a source of true abiding joy in the thing that you seek. Now the outcome of this, if you look at uh, four, it says this, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that, blow, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Many of us know this, that we have pursued many of these things to make us happy, and they haven't made us happy. And so we have, we, we have resigned ourselves to being bored, apathetic, indifferent, we used to listen to Pharrell Williams, right? Happy. And now it's just Nirvana on repeat. We've just given up. Some of us are there. Because we've tried everything under the sun and nothing will give us true and abiding happiness. Friends, I'm here to tell you that the very message of Jesus Christ is that death is not the end, that there is life and life abundant, and you are made not only for happiness, he gives you happiness because he longs for you to be happy. Death is not the end. Now, Nirvana is a good band, but you don't have to only listen to Nirvana. There are many of us who need to hear that because we are consumed by our addictions. Or we're allowing the memories of an abuse or abuses to haunt us, believing that they've stolen our happiness. Still others of us, our lives are in such disrepair, we, just, we don't even know if there's healing. We, we don't even remember what healthy feels like. Now, as a church family, I'm gonna take a quick time out and invite you to join us next week for the next five weeks. We're gonna, we're gonna be in a series called Baggage. Uh, as a church family, uh, you guys know that there's like this ridiculous stereotype that church people have their act together. I know many of the people in this church, they're a mess. Me too. There is no such thing as a person who has not experienced true brokenness. That person doesn't exist. There's no one of us not carrying baggage. And so as a church family, we're going to look that square in the eye. We're going to lean into it. We're going to be talking about how the gospel impacts our understanding and, and addresses issues of abuse, addiction, outrage, abandonment, even memories of past hurts that continue to haunt us. I want to encourage you in two ways. Number one, there are many of us who, for us, this is a very present need, and I know it's going to take a lot of courage for you to be here, but I'm going to ask that you would be here. I'm going to ask that you would make a commitment to be here for the next five weeks. I know it's going to be painful. I know we're going to bring up stuff and it's going to feel like trampling. I know that there's going to be wounds that reopen, but as a church family, we are committed to helping you and equipping you to the best of our ability to find healing. And the good news is Jesus promises it and he always follows through on what he promises. Two, there may be some of us who feel like, you know, I'm not ready for that, for me personally, or uh, maybe I've been through that, but, but you know somebody. I would encourage you to make a commitment to be here for the next five weeks. Not only do I believe we will find healing, but we also as a church family will become better ministers as we address these things and understand these things. So I'm gonna encourage you to be here for our baggage series. Again, it starts next week. 
The message of Jesus is a message of hope, not moral conformity, not depression, not fear. The message of Jesus is a message of hope, for Christ is risen. There was someone in our church family who embodied this, this hope, this this love and, and this happiness. And, and, and I know some of you know this, many of you don't, and so uh, I just wanted to say, um, Millie Sanchez, who's a member of our congregation, passed away suddenly this week. Some of you guys know Millie. We could put her picture up on the screen. Even if you don't know her, didn't know her personally, you have been blessed by her. For Millie was one of those wonderful people who loved you so much that she would work behind the scenes, quietly serving, because she loved Jesus and she loved you. She also felt your love, and Millie had many hurdles and many difficulties in life. Uh, she was, uh, had just gotten off the bus on her way home, and there was an accident on the road, and, and, and somebody swerved and, and jumped the curb and, and hit Millie, and so she passed. But one of the things that Millie told me, and Millie had a, such a tender spirit, and she was such a blessing to me, she, she oftentimes had difficulty putting her thoughts into words, but one of the conversations that we've had recently, she said, you know, Pastor, I, I have a hard time praying. And she did. She had a, 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 an issue with speech. She said, I had a hard time praying. But I know that when I pray, I pray and God loves me. And he makes me so happy. We were blessed to catch a glimpse of what the love of God looks like through a happy woman. We don't know any of the funeral details uh, yet. We're still kind of working on that. I know many of you are very close. Uh, some of you family. Um, we're still working on the details uh, with the family, things like that. We're gonna try to let you guys know, maybe on Facebook or things like that, or you can call into the office. Uh, we'll try to keep you posted on that. Again, this was sudden. But Millie reminds us that there is hope in Jesus. Though we pursue happiness in many of these broken things, there is hope in Jesus. Now we turn to the text again. Are you happy yet? We've heard, haven't we, as we tried to answer that question, we've heard what not to do. I mean, the whole thing started out, how happy is the one who does not do certain things, doesn't walk the advice of the wicked, and so on. But here we find the answer in verse two, and it's like the most frustrating thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I do not like verse two of Psalms one. Because I wanna know how to find what? I mean, do you guys want to know? Because y'all said you ain't happy yet, so I'm assuming you'd like to be happy. Y'all want to be happy? Okay, well, here we go. You ready? Here's the answer. It's right here. You guys listening? It's going to be, it's going to be super confusing and miserable. Some of you guys are like, is he even a real pastor? Yeah, I'm wearing a sweater vest. Okay, I have a sweater vest on. Of course I'm a real pastor. Okay, this is like super frustrating. This is Psalm 1-2. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, are you being for reals right now? Okay, so you won't find happiness in the stuff, the status, the sex. Those, those are not places you'll find eternal and abiding happiness. So where am I gonna find happiness? Well, happy is the one who delights in the Lord's Good gifts? No. Uh, 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 health? Uh, the health that the Lord gives them? No. Uh, relation? What, what is, it's the Lord's instruction. 
Like the Ten Commandments. You guys ever seen those things like printed out? You guys heard about the Ten Commandments? Charlton Heston wrote them in the 50s. No, like Moses wrote the Ten Commandments, like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet. You guys ever heard of those things? Yeah, there's big fights about where they should be, like in the courtrooms and stuff. Um, which, by the way, if you're a Christian, I think we should put the Beatitudes up before the Ten Commandments, but that's just, that's not, that's just my opinion. Uh, might be a better society if we focused on those instead. However, in the, if you, have you ever seen the Ten Commandments, like printed out? Have you ever seen them like on a wall or something? Or like in a book? Like the Bible? Have you, have you ever like gone up to a, a copy of the Ten Commandments and just been like, I am just so full of delight. I delight in the Lord's commands. Have you, have you, has, that, has that ever happened to you? What on earth does this mean? The what delight in the Lord's instruction. I'm glad you asked. There's three things that I want us to remember really briefly. One, how happiness works. Two, how relationships work. And three, how freedom works. Number one, how happiness works. There is nowhere in Holy Scripture that says, happy is the one who pursues happiness. In fact, happiness, we are never instructed to pursue happiness directly. It's always a byproduct of some greater thing, the pursuit of some greater thing. Happiness is always a byproduct of something greater, some greater pursuit. And so one might even say, we shouldn't actually pursue happiness in and of itself. So it's always a byproduct of something greater. Number two, how do relationships work? What is being spoken of here is not simply delight in the instruction in and of themselves, but delight in the direction of or, or the conversation of or the dialogue with or the speaking of or the word of God. The assumption here is that God is a living, active person. God is not some sort of polymorphous cloud in the sky that has no character. God has character. God has contour. God has definition, which means this. There are certain things about God that contradict my personality. Just like every other human relationship, I want you to think about your deepest human relationships. I want you to think about them for a second. Are you completely and totally in sync with that person? Or do you, do you not find that the more you have conversation, the more you have life together, the more you realize, oh, we're different here? Is that your experience? The more you actually realize, oh, you actually contradict my will because you're an actual person. One of the things that this tells us is that God is an actual living person. And God communicates to us the desires, his desires. Now, um, this is every deep relationship, by the way. Uh, in my marriage, uh, hi, honey. In my marriage, don't worry, we're going to handle this uh, just really good. Um, not going to screw up here. Uh, in my marriage, there are a handful of spoken instructions and a billion unspoken instructions between my spouse and I. There are many things that we've articulated to each other. These are the instructions. These are the boundaries. These, this is how the relationship is going to work. But outside of that, there are millions of unspoken ones. By the way, most uh, conflict in marriage comes from those things not being in sync, right? You see, in any human relationship, 
We have instructions that we give to one another. We have boundaries that we set on the relationship. We have wills and desires. If I say uh, to my wife, if I say, uh, what would you like? And she says, I like this. That is an instruction. It's communication. You with me so far? In human relationships, the way that we converse with one another, when we're discovering things about each other, that is instructions that we're giving to each other right, on how we are and who we are and how we'd like to be and how we'd like for each other to be. And so what this is speaking of is happy is the one who has a relationship with the true living God who is a person and delights in communicating with and hearing from that God. So that's how relationships works. Three, freedom. Many of us hear things like law and instruction and we recoil, don't we? Life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Oh, Americans. I know not all of us are citizens of America, but in this culture, there is an, uh, now watch me here, there can tend to be an overvaluing and a misunderstanding of what personal freedom actually means. I'll prove it to you. Freedom, for most of us, we think freedom is the absence of restrictions. I'm free to do whatever I want, but I want to tell you, you're not. One of the greatest theologians that ever lived, Eddie Van Halen. You guys know about Eddie? Anybody know about Eddie Van Halen? Can we, can we get some hollers back up? You guys know about Eddie Van Halen? Okay, so Eddie Van Halen, one of the greatest guitar players of, uh, of our time, uh, he, Eddie Van Halen, is free anytime he wants to and this is an open invitation, by the way, Eddie Van Halen is free to, anytime he wants to, ascend the steps, plug in his guitar, and shred in such a way that we will all be brought to tears by the sheer beauty of what we are witnessing. Are you free to do that? No, you are not. Now, why are you not free? Well, for some of us, it's because we don't have the innate skill. But for others of us, it's because we did not, over decades of our lives, restrict ourselves from lesser freedoms, namely hanging out with friends, pursuing other hobbies. You see, Eddie Van Halen restricted himself. He gave away lesser freedoms in order to have the greater freedom of shredding. You with me? You see, freedom is an interesting thing, and I'd like for you to think about what it means to truly be free, because in any human relationship, in any real relationship, in any relationship with a person, there are boundaries and restrictions, are there not? If you want to have a deep, intimate relationship with another person, commitment to not abandon, betray, abuse is one of the core central tenets of that relationship. Well, that's an absence of freedom. Uh, as it relates to marriage, I know not all of us are married, but I, I, I love, you guys ever heard the old ball and chain? Yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to get you in trouble. If you've heard, how you've heard other people use it, right? Have you guys ever heard somebody else use the phrase, the old ball and chain? Okay, I love that metaphor. Because marriage is a chaining of selves together, saying we are two different people, and we have two different wills, and we're, 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 we're separate from one another, but we're going to chain ourselves together because one day I'm not going to want to be here. And when we chain ourselves together, we're saying to the other person, I am going to restrict thousands of lesser freedoms. As a for instance, I am not currently free to leave the house at 3 a.m. without telling someone. Are you? You see? I'm not free. I've given up a lesser freedom for a greater freedom of a deep, intimate relationship with one person. 
That's how freedom works. So I would ask you to consider the nature of happiness. It's always a byproduct in pursuit of something else. Two, how relationships actually work. We're always giving each other instructions. We're always instructing each other on who we are and how we are and how we ought to be and how we want to be in each other's lives. And three, I want you to think about freedom. What are you free to when you think about God's instructions? Would it not lead to a greater freedom? And then here's my question. Are you happy yet? Happiness is a byproduct. And the text says... That, that that happiness, that happy is the one who is connected to their creator, who delights in the communication with their creator, the, hears the instruction of their creator and finds delight in it. Let me ask you this. Have you found freedom in your relationship with God? It's what he wants for you. You see, God wants each one of us to turn from looking at stuff, status, and sex to satisfy us, though those are good things and good pursuits, if they're ultimate pursuits, it's like chaff. God is calling us, no longer pursue those things, but turn and pursue me. And in our relationship with God, we will be like trees planted near a river of true living water. And happy is the one who is connected to their creator in this way. Are you happy yet? Let me pray for us.